don't know my name. I'm continuing the summer series that we're running over the summer. I just love what Jack was sharing last week about how he believed this was a year of miracles. And that was really an encouraging word to say over all of us. It sort of raised my expectation, it raised my faith. Um, and I think we should really embrace words like that that are said over us because it does us good to hear those things. So um, we've also got the children all dressed up today because we're talking about now children. Can you remember what we were talking about? <gasps> Did mum and dad tell you why you were dressing up today? Because it's a princess day. That's close, yes. We're also we're talking about a queen. And that's why the kids have all dressed up today as princes or princesses. We've got a lot of girls, so we've got a lot of princesses. So, um, <laughs> Matt's in the middle there, he's the prince. <laughs> so, um, it's fantastic that they could just take part like that. You've done a really good job, guys, dressing up today. We love seeing you in your costumes and dressing up. So today, as I've said, the summer story is about somebody who lived a long time ago and her story can be likened to somebody like this, Cinderella. So we girls, we all know about Cinderella, don't we? So that is awesome. We're talking about somebody whose story is a bit like Cinderella. Now Cinderella didn't start her life as a princess and nor did Esther, who we're talking about today. Esther was a young teenage girl who lived with her older cousin, who was chosen to become queen of Persia and found God calling her to pray. This changed her life and saved the life of her people. So the story starts like this. A child, as a child, Esther lived with her older cousin Mordecai. In a place called Persia, her parents had died and um, he had taken her into his home to raise him, to raise her on his own. So Esther had no mum or dad. She was an orphan. She lived with her uh, cousin in a uh, place that she didn't really know, a uh, foreign land. And it, so uh, it wasn't an easy start. She didn't really know people. Um, she wasn't living with her mum and dad, so it wasn't an easy start to her life. We don't know how old she was when she arrived, but we know that Mordecai has shown great kindness to raise Esther as his own with the Jewish traditions of the family. Esther lived near the Persian palace, so she would see on a regular basis, see the palace on a regular basis. This young girl saw from a distance what the Persian king and his palace looked like. You can see here, it's uh, there he is lying there. It's a very different lifestyle to hers. They all dressed up very well with beautiful gold trim on their clothes and lots of jewelry, and they smelled pretty good too. I'm sure, like many young girls, she had dreams of being a princess, just like these girls here, um, so that she would be a princess in the palace one day. So there was a big difference from the palace to her lifestyle. Again, like Cinderella, she was a very different lifestyle to the king in the palace. But one day, as the story continues, King Xerxes was hosting a party. He had all 
the men folk round for a party that he was holding. Um, and he requested during this party time that his wife, the Queen, Queen Vashti, would come and join them. Um, and in those days, the men and the women were separated. They weren't always together. So he asked for her to join them. But when she didn't, he became a bit angry. And he was advised by all the other people in the um, palace to actually banish her and get rid of her, to leave the whole area. So this was a big decision for the king, which he may have regretted in the long run, but he had to stick to his word. So it took him four years before the king decided to marry again. So many women from all over the kingdom, again like Cinderella, arrived for a beauty contest. They would be selected by the king's subjects. Mordecai saw that Esther was of good character and very beautiful, so he entered her into the procession. <coughs> Whoever was selected from the women that was lined up spent a year in uh, training, um, in beauty treatment, so they could be ready for the king. And even then, sometimes when they came before the king, he wasn't happy, so they had to go, and he was, they were declined. But fortunately, God's favour was on Esther. Her beauty and her character won the heart of the king, and she became queen. And that day, she didn't really know the plan that God had for her life. She may not have even had her own faith. She was brought up with those traditions um, in the Jewish family. Now the next part of the story was about a man called Haman, and he was one of the king's subjects. He grew over the years in importance in the palace. He was given more jobs to do, and he was very good at them. So he felt that he should be honoured, just like the king, by having people bow down to him. However, Mordecai's cousin, uh, Esther's cousin, Mordecai, uh, he refused to bow down to Haman, and he became very angry towards Mordecai because he didn't bow down. Mordecai was the only one who wasn't bowing down to him. Um, he didn't understand that. He knew, uh, he found out that Mordecai was a Jew, um, and his anger just grew and grew inside of him. So Haman decided to feed a plot to the king, and he was telling him that actually we should get rid of these Jews. They're not, they're not good for us. Um, and so usually the king, who was a very fair king generally, um, um, did this thing where Haman had fed him lies, and the Jewish people were now under threat because of Haman's plan. Now up until now, Esther hadn't told anybody that she had been brought up in a Jewish faith. And Mordecai had actually told her not to tell anybody in the palace. But the crunch time was about to begin. Mordecai heard that Haman was plotting to kill the Jews. So he started praying big time. For his people, this was really serious. Mordecai then turned to Esther to help, to speak to the king. He reminded her that actually she was a Jew, and if she didn't do something about it, then she's going to end up um, being killed as well. He said to Esther, 
who knows, maybe you were made to be queen for such a time as this. Now, Esther at this point could make a decision. She could have pushed the problem to one side and continued being queen. Or, secondly, she could have ignored where she came from and her roots. She was submerged in the Persian lifestyle after all. She didn't need to pick up where she had come from. And thirdly, she could have reasoned with herself and said, well, hey, the men can sort this problem out. This isn't anything to do with me. But no, Esther had a calling on her life. She didn't know this, but was being positioned and prepared for. It was more than being a queen, that would have been a pretty special role and calling anyway, but she was stirred by what Mordecai had to say. Esther realized the situation was bigger than her and she needed God to speak. So she prayed and then she called the Jewish people to pray and those around her to pray and fast, acknowledging actually, I need my friends here, I need God here, this is a big crisis time and I need everybody around me. Esther's life would be in danger um, if she went before the king without being summoned. So this was a big, big thing for her. She needed to know that God's hand was on the situation and that he was part of it. And as Mother Teresa said, prayer is about putting oneself in the hands of God. And there she was, putting her hands, uh, putting herself in God's hands, because uh, she didn't really know what to do. And sometimes we have a passion and a calling in our lives that's bubbling up inside and we're often reflecting at this time of year, what's going to be happening this year? What's, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, we've got sign-up sheets for mainly doing in the church, but there might be other things that God is actually calling us to be part of. And this is when praying and fasting actually makes clarity. It sort of gives us direction. We hear from God and he speaks to us and he tells us maybe where we should be going this year. Now Esther showed great courage, great wisdom, because she'd heard from God about after praying. And this gave her direction as to what to do next. So she dressed up in all her royal robes, just like the girls here, dressed in their royal robes, and waited outside the palace doors for the king to notice her. Now when he did, he was very pleased with his wife and wondered why he hadn't seen her for some time. It had been 30 days since he'd seen her last. So it's not quite like the lifestyle we have um, over here. So he hadn't seen her, but when he noticed her, he was like, wow, that's my wife. And so he was very happy in what he saw. So he asked her, what, what is it that you want? Why are you here? Um, and she, she said, well, actually, I'm here because I want to invite you to dinner. And I want Haman to come with you. And he thought, well, that's actually okay. I can do that. So the king was pleased. And um, so they went for dinner. And then at the dinner time, he was then saying, oh, this is an amazing dinner. What is it you actually want? What are you after? She said, now, if it was you and I, we'd be saying, well, actually, I want you to do this, this, and this. Because... Haman is going to be killing the Jews, so can you sort it out quickly now? But 
No, she didn't say that straight away. She had real control. She was self-controlled. She actually knew that God had spoken to her and given her a plan as to what to do. So in her self-control, she said, actually, can we meet again for dinner again tomorrow night? And can Haman join us again tomorrow? So remembering that Haman is the bad guy, girls and boys, that he's there because he wants to kill the Jews. So the king said, well, sure, we have one nice dinner tonight. Let's have another one. So we went on to that. And then, um, so then Esther um, came for the second um, dinner party. Now in that 24 hours, lots happened. Um, everything changed in a sense. The king was given a dream by God about Mordecai and how he should favor and honor him. Haman grew in resentment and anger towards uh, Mordecai and received bad advice about trying to kill Mordecai again. And then Esther received much favor from the king. All of the results entered at the end saying, actually, king is Haman that's causing all the problems here. This is the man that needs to be killed because he has been trying to kill the Jews and he's not been uh, an honorable man. He's been telling you lies. So where, with Esther, they were there to be able to protect the well-being of the family. So, sorry. So Mordecai then was honored and was replaced uh, in the palace by, um, took over Haman's position. And between them, Mordecai and Esther were then able to protect the Jewish people again. So looking back, Esther was a normal young girl at the start. She was an orphan. She may have dreamt of being a princess and liked to dress up as one, as many of the girls do. But Esther had a calling for a particular time as this. <coughs> so it was assumed. We only know this because it wasn't written about in the Bible again. We hadn't had this story about her. In fact, a whole book of the Bible was given to her. So it must have been really an important story for us all to know. Um, her time was for that moment. She could have chosen to ignore it and miss out on what God had called her to, but instead she decided to embrace it. So Esther was strategically placed, and so are we. We are placed at home. We might be placed at kindy. We might be placed at school or college. We might be placed at work. We're all placed in certain places right this, in this time in our lives for a reason, and that reason is for divine opportunities, for God to use us where we are. So this is a season, and we're um, coming to a point at the beginning of the year where we might be reflecting on, okay, what's happening this year? What are we being called to? What is God calling me to? Um, and it's a season where we might already know that it's happening. It might be something that's actually something bubbling away and stirring already. And we actually might feel a bit unprepared for what's ahead. And we might feel a bit inadequate. Um, we might have to speak up more about our faith. We might feel that that's a challenge for us. But let us take the leading of Esther. Let us think about what she did, the courage that she had, and the way that she turned to prayer. Prayer at the start of the year, praying and fasting for things that are bubbling away or stirrings that are inside 
for seeing God at work and, and leading, showing us the way by praying. So leading by fasting, we come closer to God. We can hear his voice a bit better. Uh, fasting is about giving up food. It might be giving up other things that we can actually spend that time with God um, at the time. So being in prayer and fasting um, for many things, um, the Bible talks about seeking first the kingdom of God, and we're, we're doing that. We're saying we want to see what your kingdom, what you want us to do in the kingdom um, right for this year. So listening and being obedient. Esther listened in her prayer time and was obedient. So let us uh, be encouraged by that. Now I've asked uh, Mandy Boyce to come and share with us about a time in her life where she felt a bit overwhelmed because God had started speaking to her about some a situation and about her calling that she had. So Mandy, are you going to... We prayed some more, we read the Bible, and we listened 
to God to see what he was saying. There was lots of asking God to speak and, and he really did. He spoke in lots of different ways, even through the Beginner's Bible. I don't know if any of you have the Beginner's Bible read to you. Well, we read the Beginner's Bible to our little boys. They were little boys then. Um, every night before bed, and God would speak to me about, yes, I want you to come to New Zealand. And yeah, he let us know in no uncertain terms that he wanted us here. And he also made this very clear to me before we left. He said, you think I'm taking you and Dave to New Zealand to help plant the church. But it's actually also about using your sons in New Zealand too. I have big plans for their lives too. <laughs> Esther wasn't keen on the idea of going before the king initially. Understand. If he hadn't held out his royal golden scepter to her, she would have been put to death. But she counted the cost and she did it. You know, she, she got everyone to pray and then she did it. Well, there was another time I'll quickly tell you about when I was faced with an unpleasant thing that was actually my destiny. And I didn't want to do it like Esther didn't want to do it. It was to go and see my dad in England a few weeks before he died. I really didn't want to go. I was scared of travelling all that way on my own for a start and I didn't know what state I'd find my dad in. I just knew he was dying, and he wasn't saved. But I sought God about it, and I asked for advice from Pete and Julie and other people, and I came to the decision that I should go, and Dave should stay here to look after the boys. And I'm really grateful for the people in this church that were praying for me as I went. Before I went, Julie Hanari said to me, I'm going to pray that you have the privilege to lead your dad to Christ. And that's exactly what happened. My hardened businessman, lifelong Christ-resistant dad, surrendered his life to Jesus a few weeks before he died. It was my destiny to go. I just needed to follow those inklings that I was getting. To talk to, I needed to talk to trusted Christians and get as many people praying. And then I had to be obedient and actually do it and go. And hallelujah, he got saved. It occurs to me that destiny isn't necessarily about all the big things in life, like emigrating to New Zealand or going on a quest to England to get your dad saved. You can fulfill your destiny by being in the right place at the right time hearing the Holy Spirit's prompting and just saying something to someone. And then that comment, that thing, that could be the thing that brings them to Christ. So let's be tuning into our Holy Spirit, into our Father and the Holy Spirit, listening to what he's prompting us to do or say to people in our everyday lives. Because who knows but that you have come to this place or position for such a time that's so cool. It just gives us a real indication for the big and the small things. It doesn't have to be super big. So I just want to finish off 
do want prayer for healing or for situations or just actually want to respond to what you've heard this morning, then we are available to pray with you. But uh, we're just going to finish off by just committing what we've heard to God and asking the Holy Spirit to come. Father, we just thank you that prayer is a mighty tool, Lord. Father, we thank you that you that you want us to speak to you about every situation that we face. And Lord, we pray, we commit this year to you, and we say, call us, Lord, to the big and to the small. Call us into uh, situations that you've placed us, and use us, we pray. Lord, we pray that you would use us mightily, that it would be a year of miracles, Father God. Lord, we ask that you come by your Holy Spirit and you equip us. Lord, that you help us to have courage to step out into the things that might scare us, um, but help us to uh, listen to you and be obedient. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for uh, this wonderful church, Father God. In Jesus' name. Amen.